Hey, here's a quick word about our presenting sponsor, Wagoner Financial. Doesn't matter where you are in your mindset as far as planning for your future. Or what stage of your life. Or what stage of your life. Talk to the folks uh, at Wagoner Financial. I'll tell you what, Eric, Kylie, Nancy, Alex, Catherine, they're uh, all the, fantastic yeah, they, they people. they got pretty sharp crew here. Yeah, and they got bright smile from Barb when you walk into the door. Absolutely. I'd see your folks at uh, Wagoner Financial or give them a call. They'll help you out and, and set you up for your future. Wagoner-Financial.com. Hey, and welcome back to Taking It Next Level with Tom Crawford and Luke Miller. We are so glad to be back, and thank you so much, everybody who's been listening. Um, we've had some extremely great growth in the podcast. The feedback is is, is kind of invigorating, man. It gets you, you know, builds your confidence in making this a fun thing. It's really exciting, and we have a really cool guest today, Randy Kinder. I'm going to set you up here. If you Google <laughs> the best running backs in Michigan high school football history, you are going to come across several high school football publications that include his name on this list. Really? Yes. Number 25 Number for 25 for East, East Lansing. Lansing Trojans? Absolutely. You know what? Here's the coolest part is that if that was the only thing that was on his resume, he would be very cool. But that's not the only thing. He's a business leader. He is one of the most generous people I've ever met in my entire life and uh, a tremendous, tremendous friend. Uh, so we welcome Randy Kinder. Nice to talk to you, buddy. What's happening, fellas? Uh, is, this, is this week seven? This is show? week seven. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's six people who you love more than me, Luke. <laughs> you're a top 10 recruit. Well, so you're number seven, uh, you know? Actually, you know what that was? Is we, you know, we're, we're holding strength for, for down the line. There you go, man. Uh, <laughs> no, we're getting to the meat of the schedule because you open up with non-conference play. Yeah. You open up with some cream puffs. No, I'm not. I'm just busting on. I'm not. I'm just joking. <laughs> guest number one, two, three, four, five, and six. But I mean, yeah, I understand. You know, we're getting to the meat. We're really in rhythm now, Randy. That's the key thing. Well, all I'm hoping is that this begins the East Lansing High School series and segment of of the show. Um, next week it's Rufus Jackson. The week after that, Nathaniel Ide. Um, <laughs> oh God! And then, and then we'll just change the name of the show, right? Take, taking it next level, Trojans, and then we're ready to roll, right? Yeah. So if we get Nathaniel Lied, then we're going to talk about all those handoffs that he handed off to you, which made him a good quarterback, which led you to a state championship. That, that really takes a lot of skill to hand <laughs> off, right? You know. I'm <laughs> No, but to be serious, uh, one, I'm, I'm so excited about what you guys are doing. We've had the opportunity to listen to a couple of shows. They're great. Um, and, and I'll tell you, one, I wanted to – I shared one of the, the first episode on my, on my little Facebook thing, but mostly because I'm just so proud to be associated with both of you. You're doing great stuff. And I love the tone of this show, man. It's, it's just so positive. It's, it's just about, you know, getting, right, getting to that next level, but also just – being happy about what you're doing and loving it. And uh, I tell you, it, it's, it's a breath of fresh air, especially in these crazy times to just hear you guys spend 22 minutes to half hour, whatever, just being positive about and encouraging. And I love it. It's great. Yeah, this world of negativity. And it's just in the last few months alone, we're just dripping negativity these days. I think that's why we're, we're, we're ramping it up. Well, yeah, and we appreciate that too, Randy, because I tell you what, uh, for me, it's, it's hard not to be uh, um, uh, upbeat and, uh, and positive when you're sitting next to this guy. He, <laughs> he is, 
Man, he, his enthusiasm is infectious. Unknown to mankind, like Jim Harbaugh would say. Right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> I love so, it. Hey, Randy. So I, I gave you a, a very worthy intro, but uh, nobody can do more justice to, uh, um, to who you are than you. So why don't you give us your um, elevator pitch? Who is Randy Kinder? <laughs> what are you up to? What, do you, what have you been up to? Uh, give us a little bit more uh, info on who you are. I'm really tempted to quote Steve Martin from The Jerk, but I won't start that way. Um, <laughs> no, you, you know what? Um, I, I am a very lucky guy. I'm, I'm a lucky guy who was born to some great parents and had the opportunity to, uh, to grow up in a great, a great community, East Lansing, where uh, you know, my, my, some of my best friends in the world are still part of that community, but it's where really I'm, I, I was formed. And um, you know, tribute to the community we grew up in, Luke, uh, you know, I never wore football pads until the summer before freshman year, like a lot of us, and just was very lucky to have a, to be a part of that program at East Lansing High School that Jeff Smith ran so well for so many years. And again, kind of fell into this football thing that opened doors for me to go to one of the best universities in the country. And frankly, from there to to get a nice little career going. You know, it, it, people think it's, you know, it's a, it's a sign of weakness sometimes to be humble, but it's not a sign of weakness to be humble when you realize how lucky you are. Very easily, my life could have gone in different directions at different times, but I, I just have just been uh, fortunate to be around tremendously positive influences and people who cared about helping me along um, at the right time. And it's it's been a great ride. It continues to be a great ride. Well, just remember, Randy, luck is where preparation meets opportunity. That probably every coach said to any team. And so you had to work really hard. I mean, Randy, you went to Notre Dame and you, and you played in the NFL as well. I mean, let's be real. You put a ton of work in. And people don't realize in football, attention to detail sits at the core. And I'm sure your coaches, Jeff Smith, Lou Holtz, taught you that correct? Yeah, you, you had two coaches right there who believed in fundamentals more than anything else. He believed in teaching football. And I, and I believe that Coach Smith knew that that was an allegory for how you, how you do well in life, as you were just saying, Tom. And Coach Holtz, good Lord, um, it's just, it's kind of Jeff Smith's thing on steroids. Um, Co- Coach Holtz always believed that he wasn't coaching football. He was coaching young men to become men and, and what they're going to do the rest of their lives. I just heard it. He just, uh, we were just all together. Uh, a couple weeks ago and he talked again about his whole thing was to create you know strong men and uh, when when he coached his he had his fundamentals and they were about teaching fundamentals period you know one thing he used to always say is what's important now win what's important now is the decision you're making right now lead you to your ultimate goal and to think about life in steps like that and I in everything I've done in life when I've gone back to those principles I've done the right thing uh, it, and usually I can trace back to when, I, when I've gotten off track to ignoring those same principles. Mm. Um, so again, I, I've, I've been put in places where I got to learn from the best. Um, I believe that. And I, I still in life now, you know, I, I got the opportunity to, uh, in my current job to, to be influenced by a man named Richard Trumpko, who's president of LCIO, who is also about fundamentals and getting things right, about process, and how the process is as important, if not more important than the result. And so I, I try to instill that in what I do as much as possible. And that's fantastic. I mean, here we talked about a couple of things here, Tom. Number one, extremely humble, humble dude. You could hear it. We're well, let, about, let me stop you for a second. What yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. teammate was he at high school? You know, 
listen, the type of teammate he was in high school is exactly the type of type of guy he is now. I mean, he hasn't effectively he hasn't changed much in his character. So, you know, he was a very gracious person uh, on the field. Um, he's a gracious person uh, now. I'm assuming I've never worked with him, but I'm assuming that he is gracious uh, in the workplace as well. I mean, here's a guy where if you didn't know, Tom, you were you were here in, uh, during this era. You knew all the all the publicity that he got. Oh, yeah. Um, I was bummed when he didn't go to Michigan, uh, but that's right. another story. But, you know, here's a guy who, you know, outside of outside of the field, um, if you didn't know who he was, he he didn't tell you he was, you know, quote unquote, Randy Kinder. Big man big on man campus. campus. <laughs> right. Exactly. So no, no, he, I, I, that was that's that was never in his makeup. Was that your parents that taught you that, Randy? Uh, sorry, I was I was Venmoing Luke some money. for what <laughs> <laughs> We were talking like you weren't there, but I'm serious. <laughs> I'm a big, I'm a big proponent uh, or believer. Maybe I emphasize this too much that everything starts with the parents because I, you know, in coaching youth kids and things like that with junior children, it's like not all the time, but you can tell when you meet the parents, what kind of kid, kid. Yeah. You know, I started out by saying it, um, you know, you don't get to pick your parents, but, but I won the lottery. Um, (laughs) My mother was a teacher by training. She, She did many careers in her working life, but I remember because the English teacher was her, her first, her first real, um, I think, calling, and was so as she works later and working later as well. I mean, I remember with her how important details were, and and how important it was to be able to to be understood when you spoke. And I don't mean just uh, from having decent diction and the like. It was, you know, a lot of times I would talk to my mother, and she'd give me this look, and I'd say, "Gosh, here we go." And she said, why did you use that word? Or why are you, what are you trying to say? And, and so you, you learn to communicate, I think, a, a little bit better when you're around my mom. And she, did, she was the same thing with my, with my friends. My father continues to be just, just all about excellence and would remind me often, probably he still does, that you're only about 30 seconds and a few bad decisions away from the poverty line, right? And he would say that for different reasons. Um, one, to always be re- extremely respectful of everyone. You don't know what anyone's gone through or, or what what they are facing at home, and that, that means their socioeconomic space or what they look like. But also just to never get too high on yourself because you know, it could tomorrow you could be gone. Tomorrow, whatever whatever station you've met in life could be taken away from you. And so to always be conscious of that and to never stop moving on things. Um, so th- that's what my parents are like, continue to be like. And they also, and this is something extremely important, right? They never for a second made me question the fact that they love me and supported me. Again, I'm extremely fortunate to have the two of them who, you know, my parents got divorced when I was uh, like five years old, right? That's when we moved to Michigan. My dad moved to, to the, the Northeast. Um, but, you know, come, come junior, senior high school football, gosh, my dad probably made 90% of the game. Wow. And when I was at Notre Dame, he went to every game. Wow. Every single game that I played, including when we were over in, in, in Ireland, play Navy. Oh, um, my. So, you know, the, the, that kind of support you can't buy. That's just there. And so if, if that's been any sort of less of it or, or, or a piece of what I am, then, you know, that's that's where it goes. To. And I'm really glad that you um, you brought up that uh, the fact about your parents, too, because I think it, it's important to have both parents, even in, in situations um, like yours, where the parents decide that they just can't be together. It's still really important for both to be actively involved and to have um, uh, more examples and more stories like yours 
where both parents are actively involved for the sake of the children and and be positive role models from both angles. I think um, we don't hear enough stories about that. We hear too many stories about, you know, animosity in those situations. Right. And um, I think it, um, uh, we need to hear more stories like this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll say what's one thing, you know, again, off the field that Coach Holtz would talk about is the importance for kids to see, and I won't even, I won't even say it because as you, as you pointed out, Luke, there, you know, there's all sorts of different family models now. Um, parents split up, parents don't even, I mean, don't get, maybe not, don't get married in the first place, right? But it's important to, for young people to see that the adults in their life respect each other. Yeah, yeah. that they care about each other. And uh, and and Coach Holtz, I, when I saw him, uh, I hadn't seen him in, in several years, and I saw him at an event. Uh, this would have been she's almost ten years ago. And as we were catching up, you know, he asked me if I was married. I said yes. He said, "Do you have any kids?" I said, "Not yet." And he said, "Well, listen, it was exact uh, lesson or message was when you have a child, make sure that child knows that that her, that her is her parents." care and respect about each other you know as much as much as they as you're going to love your kid they need to know that you respect and love and and, uh, and support their mom and and so on and so forth and uh it, it's it's something that stuck with me um and you know again like you said my parents were not together for most of my life um but they respect each other and they knew and made it clear to me that i was their first priority and, that's, and, Tom, that's and tom i'll tell you what you can see those lessons um, coming out in the way that Randy is with his his daughter. And, you know, he picked a wonderful woman to, to marry. And, you know, she's the same way. She's very open and uh, and friendly and, and a, a loving person. And I'll tell you what, these you can see those lessons just kind of flowing through. It's passing the baton. Absolutely. I mean, it just goes on to the next, you know, generation. I think that so cool. You know, Randy, you talked about, um, you know, Lou Holtz. It sounded like he had as much positive impact on you. As, as Jeff Smith did, and uh, justifiably so. But I mean, football is, you know, people have been involved with it say it's, it's a metaphor of life. That experience at Notre Dame where you, you had a lot of success at Notre Dame and Notre Dame you're playing at the highest level and the highest exposure national TV every game. How did you take that experience, college football, and some of the NFL and roll those challenges and opportunity into your professional life, growing up work, I call it. Yeah. So, you know, one thing, and, and you know, this, I don't think this is unique to me, but if you, if you play sports of any kind and have coaches who I think are, who are worth their salt, and I had a couple great ones, um, you kind of look at the business world, um, really everything a little bit differently. Uh, you know, a couple easy examples, right? Being with Coach Smith and about a hundred times more so with Coach Holtz, you learn how to take criticism, right? Right. I say criticism in a nice, low, calm voice. Coach Holtz ripped. Yeah, and, I mean, I, I was just talking the other day with somebody where I, I remember my freshman year, um, Coach holding up practice for several periods because he thought my stance was wrong, and you know the whole offense basically standing there and waiting as. He told me how bad my stance was and it would adjust my foot one way, two inches or one centimeter the other way, or my, move my head down a millimeter. And, you know, I didn't, I said, what, I couldn't tell what was going on. It was the old thing where if he had told me there were five lights and they're really four, I probably would have said five by the end of it. I mean, but I didn't understand what, what he was doing until I did. It wasn't about my stance at all. It was about perfection and it was about 
all those other players, all my other teammates seeing that it didn't matter if I was the, you know, 10th rated recruit or the 150th rated recruit or whatever, everybody was being held to the same high standard. Wow. And he was teaching me, listen, kid, whatever you've done before does not matter. Now you, you are, you are in the big leagues and you're going to listen and take criticism and and learn how to do that. And it's those types of things, you know, are, 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 you can't just write it in a book, right? You have to experience it. And so, you know, when I, when I started working in for the, with AFL CIO, um, I I have had a couple challenging bosses, but one in particular, and I, I remember being in a meeting early on where, you know, we were getting big group of us were getting read the riot act and watching the way people responded to it you know really having a hard time with it and i was i was a little confused i was like this is this is an average tuesday you know come on guys. <laughs> you know this is not a tuesday practice full pad yeah. you know it's you know? funny i know a lot of michigan football players uh someone went to school with some i've met in this media role they're extremely successful like just like a lot of former michigan or notre dame players and i think that if you guys get through that kind of in your grill kind of you know you know, where your health accountability, let's call it, you're unflappable, you know, when it comes to getting criticized. I mean, I see it all the time. Yeah, you have to be. I mean, thick skin is part of the part of the, the game. And, and, you know, a lot of coaches, they test that first. Yes. You, yeah. I mean, if you don't have it, you know, then you don't belong here. You're not ready. Jeff Smith yelled at you guys ever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will tell you, and I didn't get yelled at that much by Coach Smith, and, I'm, and I say that for a reason. Um, one, you know, I, I you know, I, I listened to him. I don't know what Luke was doing. He might get yelled at, but I, I listened. To him. <laughs> I, I definitely got yelled at. <laughs> but there, but there was there there are a few opportunities. There were a few times that uh, I think I got a little full of myself, and I remember one. I believe it was a Davison game. Um, in the uh, playoffs, I want to say that was junior year. I cannot remember for sure, Luke. And we had a couple – We had, in a row, I think we had two touchdowns called back for yeah. holding or something. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and they were both lengthy, right? So I, I remember coming back after the second one and, you know, and, and expressing my, my displeasure verbally. <laughs> and, and Coach just, just killing me. I mean, he just went in – both barrels on me. I mean, wow. Loud. And, Good for him. <laughs> and made it, you know, and, and, you know, it was like he let whatever angst he had had hold it in with me. He got, it all got out right then and message <laughs> and he, received. And you got to understand. You, gotta, you remember that Luke? Yeah. yeah. So you, you got to understand too, Tom, is that this is a, uh, a time where Randy probably ran um, at least 50 yards, a 50, 50 yards um, or more touchdown multiple times called back. I don't care who you are, if you're Randy Kinder, if you're, you know, um, uh, Rocket Ismail, if yeah. you're, uh, you know, uh, Jerome Bettis, you run that many times uh, in a row and get yeah. that call back, yeah. it's going to be frustrating, yeah. especially, especially if you're, uh, you know, 17, 18-year-old kid. Oh, yeah. I mean. Oh, yeah. And this was a, this was a state championship year, right? I, I think it was Davidson that year, Luke. I think it was. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. 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 yeah, and we and you know obviously we, we won the game and, and played really well as a team um, on that. We had an amazing team. I, we could do a whole other podcast on that team, but um, but but the the message was received, and it's the same thing that Coach Holtzip was doing. That you no one is bigger than the team, right? And you and if you're going to be a leader on a team, you have to believe that 
You know, you, you have to show that in everything you do. Um, Cause if you don't, why should the next guy? And, and this guy- is, yeah, this is a hallmark of, of great coaches too. And I mean, this is not just a Jeff Smith story, not just a, a Lou Holt story, but you know, I mean, you hear similar stories of what Randy's talking about with, with, with coach Holtz. Um, I, I recall hearing uh, Rodney Harrison tell a very similar story about his time with Bill Belichick, mm-hmm. um, with Nick Saban, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing that these coaches do is they just, they know what a player needs when they need well, it. And that, yeah. This is not literally, you know, when in, you, you need to know when to kick them and when to hug them. Yes. There's a, there's yeah. a balance there. Absolutely. Yes. Not yeah. literally, but figuratively. Right. Absolutely. Well, well, well Tom, it, you asked about how this kind of infuses my, you know, my work today or my yeah. career. One thing that you also recognize having, you know, played for played sports or played for good coaches is, is when you don't have the best coaching. Right. And, yes. and maybe you don't have the best, uh, you're not getting the best kind of uh, motivation and leadership that you want. And it, it can become pretty frustrating, you know, in dealing with a situation like that. But it, but it also informs you, you know, of, okay, what are they trying to accomplish? How can I help get to that goal regardless of not getting exactly what I need right now? from, you know, from my, my leader or what it may be. Right. And then another, another part of that is being able to, and this goes to what I just said, but being able to decipher from, you know, why somebody is, is taking at you in a certain direction in nonverbal ways too. Um, yes. You know, one of the guys who, who I, another, and this refer, a guy that I do a lot of work for and with is kind of the king of both the verbal and nonverbal. And when he gives a nonverbal, you know, it can be confusing to some folks. Right. Um, but you, you got to figure, okay, what, what is he trying to get out of me right now? Why did he, why did he make that point? Why did he pause after that sentence? And coaches do that all the time. Well, it doesn't it make it – let me ask you that because that seems like it, it, it's too complicated. Why not just come out with it and be more candid with people as opposed yeah. to trying to make the people right. yes. So, so that's a great question. And that's also one of those questions that uh, can get you kind of in the, in the wrong space. And I'm going to make sure, make sure I say this the right way. When somebody makes it a little harder for you, they're testing you. And this is what I, what I've come to understand. They're testing you because they're preparing you for something else. They believe that what they're doing to you for you right then is giving you the opportunity to get better and to become a better leader by watching what they're trying to do. And, they, and they're testing to see, okay, is that person going to get it? If they can get it, I can use them on the next thing. If they can't, then I know I'm going to use them just for X, Y, and Z, okay. right? But I, I, I understand what you're saying because that can be incredibly frustrating. And frankly, for a lot of folks, when you get in a situation like that, you can get lost. You can get lost in that. I remember in, in college, there were so many guys who could not, and I don't say so many, there were so many um, examples of when people couldn't buy into what a coach was selling. And that's when you start to get, you let the little things on the side start to get you uh, a little more upset and you start paying attention to other things. And that whole what's important now piece gets lost. And I say that as somebody who was a victim of that many times. You know, well, how come so-and-so gets treated like the, better than I do? Or how come, you know, I don't get the, and then you, you're losing the battle right then. I mean, so much of being a, a good, I guess, teammate or being able to follow coaching is what they call it when you in, in acting, the willing suspension of disbelief. 
Mm-hmm. You know, right. a, you know a, a good audience has to realize, hey, we're in a play <laughs> right now. And <laughs> yeah, that, that's not really a king. He's wearing a crown because he's pretending to be. So a lot of it is buying in. If you're a great coach, you get that point down first. And then you get them to, to follow you through a wall. I mean, so it's, it's a tough balancing act. It requires a willing, uh, you have to be a willing participant in it. Um, but if you can get that right balance and you can find the right, the right players, that's what great teams are made of. And, uh, you know, that in, in my position now, I'm trying to find that right balance myself um, with the folks on my team. And, uh, and, and so far, I think we're doing pretty well. Well, you, you, you touched on a, you know, a, a very familiar slogan. Oh, I'll run, I'll run through a brick wall for that guy. You know, you hear, yeah. how, how does that coach get that player to run through that brick wall? Is there some magical wand he has to wave or how does that accomplish? Well, it starts with being very clear. And this goes to kind of the point you're making about being clear with things, but being very clear about what the goal is. This is where we want to go. We want to go there for these reasons and getting your buy-in for that first, right? Okay, I understand what the goal is, okay. And then, then the coach will say, now this is how I believe we can get there, and getting your buy-in on that. Now for some coaches, some leaders, right, they actually want, want you to be a, a part of that process, which I think is always the better way to go, Yeah. to make them a part of understanding how to get there. You, you, the leader has to set the goal. It's very important. But the team that I believe, if you want to have a team that's really bought in, you need to include them in, in that whole conversation of how to get there. Amen because, to that. You know, good, good leaders, great leaders know what they're good at. And their whole, the whole point of, of assembling a team is to get the people who are the best at those other positions that you need. Yeah, and, and, that doesn't always happen either. And, and, and <laughs> that's what, that's that's such so such good points there because, um, you know, what's happening is that, you know, when you ask somebody to um to buy into your vision and you don't include them in the process of developing that vision oh yeah Yeah. how how much do you think they're going to be willing to put it all on the line for you to get that thing done right because if it's only your vision and you say hey tom i want you to buy into my vision and you're you're, gonna work and you're gonna do not only that you're gonna do all the work yeah yeah no i'm I'm with you 100 percent on that and I, I feel something you know, that I've thought about a lot recently, you know, we're, we're thinking about making additions to our team, like is, you know, how do you get a team member versus a mercenary? Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. you know, especially when you understand, listen, I completely understand why somebody would be a mercenary. You know, <laughs> hey, I'm going to go make my money. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I'm out, right? Yeah. I, got yeah. I got the next thing. I get that. I get that. But I don't want that. I don't want that on my team. I want people who are bought into exactly what you guys just said bought into the vision, are committed to it, and want to be a part of the process and of reaping the benefits at the end, like all together. And, but that is a tough, tough thing to uh, yeah, do. Yeah, that's easier said than done. It is, it is yeah. tough. And it also indicates that when you find somebody who is willing to do those things, um, that you found the right person because, um, because you know how difficult it is. And you also know what someone has to give in order to, uh, to get into that, that frame of mind for you. So you have to retain yeah. that person. How do you keep that outstanding well, personnel? Yeah, no, absolutely. No, that's, that's exactly, exactly it. The other thing, you know, for us, when it comes to what we do, I think it's so important that people understand, you know, what, what and who they work for. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in, in what we do in, in our company, 
the the end goal for us is to help provide for a better safer and more moral retirement for working people and that's kind of the that that's like the the theme of everything we do the morals behind everything we do and you have to remind people of that as well every day which is something i'm trying to get better at is you're doing something that means something yes we if we do it right we can all do well the work that we do is important it means something to a great it means something to a greater good than just the 10 11 people in this room or whatever it may be and uh being able to identify your work to a positive outcome for for folks i think it's just so important to go home and actually feel like you accomplished something when so much of what we do now is you know on in excel and and what i you got to you have to have a link there and uh i think good leaders are the ones who are help you to make that link clearer in everything you do so that you're reminded that you matter and someone else is benefiting for your good work. Randy, was it a transition from going to a high caliber athlete on a team where you have a structure where a coach is telling, what, telling you what to do and also motivating you what to do to, to when you're in a workspace, professional, traditional type job where you have to self-motivate and self-discipline was that difficult for you yeah it was it was actually um it was a tough transition for me um and it was one where i found myself wanting you know a lot or, or looking for that extra piece so it's taken me uh, you know probably well, actually hold my career to try to find an environment that that worked because I mean, it's never going to be like like it wasn't you know coach smith and coach holds ever ever again but you want to get close to something that feels right, that feels like it. You know, the first thing for me was understanding, and this went to that little story I told before, that the experience you have in, in sports, in a team, uh, if you don't have it, you can't really uh, explain it. Mm -hmm. um, you can just work to try to replicate it, as I'm talking about, to get people to feel that way um, about the people who work next to them, be it in the next cubicle or down the hall, and to try to just instill that kind of feeling among them. and. It's not easy. Um, I, I think I've been lucky in that I work with people and have worked with people who want to have that feeling. And so we all notice when it's not there and try to figure out ways to, to bring it to the table. Um, but but it's, a, it's a struggle that kind of you just have to keep doing. And, it, you know, one thing, and this is you know, stuff that you guys talk about, uh, especially Luke and, and kind of being self-motivated doing your own thing is you have to have that reason every day to get up and go and it's easy to get lazy it's so easy and it's almost like you have to have a checklist in your brain just how to stay right really important to find your style too and that's if somebody's asked me this is actually yeah. a great exercise for me right somebody's that people have asked me before well how do you do it right and i have to sit and think about it like well uh because i i don't think about it enough but then when I, someone else displays it to you damn, I need to be like that. I think, Luke, I heard you talk about somebody that way on one of the podcasts, right? When you see somebody who's got it figured out and you have to like be, you have to do that self kind of uh, examination thing. Oh well, yeah, self-doubt yeah. yeah. every day. Yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah there you go. And, and, and say, okay, am I doing these things that yeah. I tell people they should be doing? And if I'm not, why the heck not? And how <laughs> can I get it done, right? You know, one, one of the first things uh, I was told by a good friend and colleague of mine, when I when I got the big job in my my little company uh, a few months ago, was you know congrats it's great now go find five six 
other people who are who are running their own business, who are running their own company, or who, you know, who are in a position of power, and start fellowshipping with them on a regular basis. Yeah, that's great advice. You know, yeah, and compare notes, and you know, tear people, tear each other up with you know, because you need it, and uh, exactly, and, and do that regularly so that you have you have folks who are, aren't necessarily invested in your day to day who will tell you tell you it straight who will call you on your own BS, excuse their language, right? And, uh, and, and keep you to the principles that you're bringing, you know, that you told them they're important to you. And I'm, I'm actually still trying to build that, that crew. Um, I've got some folks who I can go to on that. Um, but it's, it's just, you, you, gotta, you gotta always be working at it. Or, and this is something Coach Holtz actually said, right? Coach Holtz, now when he, when he part of his stump speech, because he basically had a stump speech and he's really good at it is he talks about his biggest regret when he was at Notre Dame. And he said, after 1988, after one national championship, he became happy with maintaining. Maintaining is dying, right? If you're not growing, if you're not getting better, if you don't have goals that exceed what you're doing, you're not doing. And uh, that's, that's something that I think about daily, uh, that I have to get better at executing on. Everyone's got to have that end of the rainbow, what's important now thing to get to. And you have to adjust it and so that you keep challenging yourself or you're going to get complacent. You're going to get tired. You're going to get lazy and you'll get satisfied. And that's the death. Tom, we talked about, we talk about this um, uh, on a couple of occasions and it's, it's really about lifelong learning. And so when you, when you challenge yourself to continue learning and continue getting better, the moment that you stop is when you have basically acknowledged to, to the rest of the world that you're, you're ready for them to pass you by. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I and I think to 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 your point that you made, Randy. I think having a circle of influence, identifying five or six wing people, I call it. And I have some of those where I call and pick their brain and have them pick my brain. Boy, that I think everybody needs to do that. That's just so much common sense doing that. Yeah, yeah. And in, in, in the, my friend who who said that to me is somebody who I, I go to. Um, but you know, he even said, you know, because we work in the same space basically says so, you know you, you need people who are just out there doing different things um who can just bring a different view of stuff and who won't get caught up in the same things you're getting caught, caught up in or personalities that you deal with on a regular, regular basis but uh it, it, it's extremely important the really great insight randy really great insight so are um, we going to talk at least a little about notre dame versus michigan <laughs> well you know what I, I i was waiting for you to uh i, I could see you i could see you chomping at the bit over there well i know because uh, last year randy got the best i mean we we had you know i'm doing the old shirt our radio show with evelyn and we did some chiding and then i went down to south bend and then, uh, randy i think you were down there for that game and Notre Dame came out on top. And, and I, you know, I've been down to Notre Dame about four or five times, or maybe more than that, for Michigan-Notre Dame game. It, it truly is a magical place. But I, want, I have one question I want to pose to you, because I think it's rele- relevant to, to the business side of things. Because as a former Mi- or Notre Dame football player, like Michigan football players feel the sense of ownership of the program. And I'm sure your for- former Notre Dame players do the same way. So a few years ago when Brian Kelly was, let's just say, struggling a little bit and before he's kind of turned things around and uh, now they're you know vying to for an undefeated season right now and going forward really strong I mean what was that relationship right former players with Brian Kelly and 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 where were you with him and and where are you with him now so um I I don't know if I've ever spent like a 
alone time, like kind of conversation with Coach Kelly. I, I can't remember. I've met him a couple times, right? right? And I have been definitely one of those um, who have been frustrated at different times with, with his style um, right. and with results at times. But it's interesting. I, I literally, uh, before we got on, I was coming from a, a luncheon of Notre Dame senior alumni that are based here in the D.C. area. So I was in a room with 15 guys, older guys, who get together monthly and tell stories. And, you know, I came to basically tell stories about football to them. And they asked me that very question about Kelly. <laughs> okay. yeah. And I told them that, one, you have to step back and realize that, and I, and I know we, we have colleagues and friends who've said this before, you know, that job is one of the hardest in sports, period. And being a head coach in a college football program it's like I heard someone say on the news the other day about uh, the chief of staff to Trump that, hey, it only ends with you getting fired. It doesn't end any other way. Yeah, <laughs> when, yeah, you're coach, exactly. <laughs> when, you're, when you're a head coach at a football program, very few of them retire, you know, on their own, you know, their own volition. Right? right. So it's this constant just trying to figure out how to, how to get by, how to get right, how to get better, and figuring out what the right mix of that is. And I will say this about Coach Kelly. I feel like he's coaching better than he has at any point still we have a lot of flaws right. but i think a few years ago when he made a very public kind of uh, uh thing of how he's changing his style i actually think that's paying off um i think that our team is in a better spot um than it has been even though we've, we've been undefeated night before i think it's actually a more talented team I think we have a more confident team. I went down for the, the Georgia game this year, and while it was heartbreaking for us to lose, and, and to lose in the manner which we did with all these penalties and the like, I oh, still yeah, feel that, that was the one game they lost, but they're still, Notre Dame is still in the contention for Oh, absolutely. The yeah. They, they absolutely are. And the way they lost, and I guess this is the point I was trying to make, was you know, when, we, when we were losing those kind of one-on-ones with their great receivers, our guys are right there. We're getting closer and closer and closer to being right. elite again. And so I, for, as far as Coach Kelly is concerned, I, I, am, I, I, I applaud and support what he's doing. I want them to continue to get better. I want to see little things that shouldn't be problems go away. Um, but I, I, I recognize how tough it is. And, but I, I want to make sure he knows that he, you know, we support and want him to do well. And that's where any frustrations come from. Were you were your former teammates? Is, is there a division in that? Was there a division in that during the rough times? And or you were you unified on your opinion of Coach Kelly? Yeah, I said that's how I feel now. I didn't say that's how I felt back then. Okay. okay. <laughs> hey, Tom, hey, Tom, you're you're forgetting that both that both of us are a lot older than we look. So yes, yeah. there's a, there's several there's several coaches in between that. that too. That's that's true. Yeah, I, I understand. But I mean, I, I do know when former players, I mean, you, you guys have true skin in the game, let's call yes. it. Because, and, and there is a sense of ownership, which I think is really cool that they, that they do come back. And you, it is, you know, it's we, you, it's your team. That, that fraternity, which we, we uh, are kind of ex explicit about through you know, Lose Lads Foundation, which is something we can talk about or not. Um, we, we get together regularly. We talk regularly on game days. There's about a 30-person text string that I'm on yeah. <laughs> that if you were on it, Tom, all of the questions you just asked me, you would get answered about 50 times in about 10 minutes. <laughs> um, 
We, it's no holds barred. Um, we are extremely opinionated and extremely diverse in our New choice words here and there, too, that we won't. Uh, maybe a couple. Um, <laughs> we, we feel like we own it. And Coach, Coach Holtz told us, gosh, this is important, too. The story of Coach Holtz told us. So when Coach Holtz left the university, and he'll say this in public speeches, um, there was no goodbye dinner. There was no clapping when he left. He, he packed up his office, put it in the back of his car, and he drove home. And that was it. Wow. And it was several years before he was invited officially back. Mm. And he, one of the first things he did when he became reconnected with the university was he organized an event to essentially a reunion where he invited all, everyone who played for him to come back. And we had this very kind of cathartic meeting in the South Dining Hall on campus. And one of the messages that Coach got across to us was, and several of us at that point were feeling a little disillusioned with the university. This was after Ty Will the whole Ty Willingham thing. And yeah. There were just different things going on. And uh, he said to us, he said, hey, I have, it's almost exact words. He said, I have just as much reason as any of you to be disillusioned, to not, to, you know, feel like I, I don't have a connection. He says, but what I realized was the only person I was hurting by not being a part of this was myself and my family. He says, we own this place. We helped build this place. We, our blood and our sweat and tears are over all those fields over there and help build this new stadium, help fund all these buildings. It's yours. This school is yours. Right. Own it. Take it back. So I say that story by saying we definitely feel like we have ownership over this thing and we, are, we feel activated to exercise it and to talk about it. And we most certainly do. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, yeah, is that, that event um, that you're talking about, that group of players, that, now that's a, a, kind of a formal thing now, every year now, correct? Yeah, yeah. So what happened uh, kind of right after that, a group of guys got together and said, you know, we need to formalize this thing, as you said, Luke, right? And uh, Coach Leahy, a million, Frank Leahy, a million years ago, his, his uh, players formed a thing called Leahy's Lads. And essentially, it was a way for them to get together, play golf, and just stay in each other's lives. Um, what our guys said, yeah, let's do the same thing. We'll call it Lose Lads. And a group went to Coach Holtz and said, hey, this is what we want to do. And Coach said, that's great. He says, but if you're just going to be playing golf, then I don't want to be a part of it. And he was like, what are you talking about, Coach? He said, no, if you're going to get together, you're going to do good. You're going to do uh, good, good things, uh, and yeah. you're going to pay forward the things that you guys learned. And so Lose Lads Foundation was started. We have an endowed scholarship um, that's paying out every year and getting and helping out some kids in need. Um, we have an annual reunion event, uh, and the thing that I'm I, I've become involved with them is we've, we've gotten into some charitable efforts as well, and we were lucky enough to align ourselves with an existing uh, uh, endeavor called the Bread of Life Food Drive, which was started out by Notre Dame Club in Staten Island, and it's an off-season kind of spring food drive that. We have joined up with them to turn what was a very regional uh, event to bring it to, I think this past season, uh, over 200 cities across not just the U.S., but, but the world in connection with Notre Dame clubs to essentially just help feed the needy. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amalgam. I think it's not, it's not really strongly organized. It's just getting people motivated to, to give to the communities that they live in. And uh, like I said, we were, we were able this past year to do food drives in over 200 cities. I'm really proud of it. That is, that's such a fantastic thing. is huge. Yeah, that's yeah. such a fantastic thing. That, that's something so cool like that could, could evolve out of um, 
um, just a group of you and, and coach uh, um, reconnecting with with the university. But um, <laughs> wonderful story. Well, thank you so much, Randy. Notre I, Dame's going down on. Uh, <laughs> you had to turn this negative. <laughs> hey, Randy. On behalf of Tom and yeah. myself, thank you so much yeah, for coming stuff, on with us. Friend. As always, fantastic conversations with you, and we wish you nothing but the Let's best. Let's do it again. You guys, thank you so much, and I wish you nothing but success with this, and I'm sorry for going on. No problem at all. It was perfect. Yep. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. Tom, what a great conversation we had with Randy today, right? A lot yeah. of different ways you can go with topics with somebody like Randy Kinder, but I mean, taking that metaphor of football and athlete and apply that to everyday life, parenting. Yeah. We hit a lot of we hit a lot of key points right there, Luke. Hey, thank you everybody as usual for listening to Taking the Next Level. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can always listen to us on our Anchor FM channel and share, like, subscribe, rate our podcast, give us that five star rating. Until next time. Thanks. All right, take care.